0: You are listening to the Theologizing at Remedy podcast, a podcast for Remedy Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. The design of the podcast is to help the people at Remedy Church connect theology with community,
1: mission, and care. Welcome to the Theologizing at Remedy podcast, uh, where we're helping um, connect theology to community, mission, and care. Uh, So today, uh, we're going to discuss an article That can be found on the gospelcoalition.org entitled Practice Hospitality, Especially During a Pandemic. Uh, This article is, and you can pause, by the way, and go and read it if you want. It's about five pages, six pages long, pretty short. It's written by Rosaria Butterfield, who is probably most known for a newer book that she wrote called The Gospel Comes with a House Key where she essentially just outlines how we can use our home culture, our homes, to invite in our neighbors and, you know, invite them to Christ. So it's a hospitality measure, but it ultimately is evangelism and a discipleship uh, tool. So we're going to kind of take some of the points that she outlines in this article, but apply it directly to Remedy Church. She's writing, obviously, in light of uh, COVID-19. So I'm going to read... Romans 12, and then Fudd, you can read Matthew 25, and then let's just talk about hospitality just generally before we dive into this point. So Romans 12, 12 through 14 says this, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality, And so I think that's a pretty good verse um, for this time, because even the context of it, right, it's the midst of tribulation, which I think we can throw COVID-19 under the umbrella of tribulation. And some of the things that it's telling us, too, is, right, you know, be steadfast in our hope, uh, be constant in our prayers, and, uh, you know, be patient in the midst of this tribulation, and then take care of the saints and their needs, and then also be hospitable, uh, even in the midst of tribulation,
0: um, I'm going to read from Matthew 25, starting at verse 35. And just for uh, getting your bearings, if you're wanting to know, what, you know where we are in the world here, if you're, I don't know when you're going to listen to this, but it is Sunday, March 29th right now. So uh, I don't know uh, what's going on in the world when you actually hear this, but we just had a live stream. Chris just preached an awesome sermon from 2 Kings. We're in the middle of basically uh, social isolation still. Um, Easter's coming. I think that's
1: called social distancing.
0: Yes, yes. We're just going to say SD. Um, So uh, we're in the middle of that. You know, Easter's two weeks away. We don't think we're going to be able to have public service that day. Uh, And so we hardly ever see each other unless we're on Zoom calls. And this is what, or Google Meet, whatever. So... Or in prison, and then visit you. And the King Jesus will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it, uh, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. So Matthew 25, 35 through forty, still applies even during a government mandated uh, social isolation worldwide pandemic. But I guess it still applies in different ways now. Um, at least during this. And so what are we, what are we meaning? Like, what, how do you obey Jesus to do this in the midst of this? So that's what we want to talk about today is how do we, how do we obey this?
1: Yeah, so um, this first point that Rosaria writes in her article, she writes, uh, practicing the Christian ethic of hospitality under COVID-19 demonstrates Christian brotherhood or Christian unity, and good Samaritan care for those whose lives are upended and who need help. And so, Fudd, I'm going to kind of pose it this way. What I see in this point is uh, both the idea of practicing intentional care, but also the point of joining Jesus on mission uh, in the midst of COVID-19. So, what what are some ways in which under COVID nineteen, because you just mentioned right, we're still commanded to do hospitality. We're still commanded to love one another. We're still command- These commands didn't just become void because the government regulated, uh, you know, social distancing or SD for short. How how do we do this? Like what, what do we have to do? Like what does this look like? What's the new way that this is going to take shape of intentional um, care?
0: Well, first off, I want to say this. So, the whole world it wants to help each other, right? Christians and non-Christians alike are helping each other. Three days ago, two days ago, whatever it was, the American government just signed a bill to give $2 trillion back to Americans and businesses uh, to, to help financially. Uh, and so we see all over America, and initially all, and even, not initially, but uh, all over the world, people wanting to help. <clears throat> but I would, I would say, uh, I think that the church's help should be uniquely different than non-church help. In that, uh, the gospel is our basis of this. And so the gospel does two things for us. One, it gives us hope in the middle of all this, where people might be despairing and people might be sad. We know that through all this, we have a great gospel hope that this whole world is not really our final destination, that we have somewhere else. So our, our help should be uniquely different because it's gospel-centered on the uh, eternal hope we have in Christ. The second way that our, our uh, help should be different because it's gospel-centered is that, um, that of sacrifice. So Jesus Christ, our Savior, sacrificed himself for the sake of us. And so during the middle of SD, uh, we don't retreat um, and just wait it out for months. We're wise. We obey the government. But, but even in the midst of, of this, because based on the gospel, we want to be sacrificial, we move forward and don't retreat with wisdom, with obedience to the government. But, but we still, because of the gospel, go forward. And so uh, how, can we, how can we do this? How can we practice intentional care? How can we... Um, join Jesus on mission while we're doing this. I would say uh, the main ways I think that we can do this first in our church and then with those around us is we should know, we, we should really have tried to know and still know the people in our church. Uh, know them so much so that if they have needs, we're actually aware of them. If we are totally unaware of need around us in our community group or with our neighbors, then the first thing we should do is try to start finding out who are the people around us that have need. And then whoever in your household is capable to go fulfill those needs for those people around you, they should. Um, If there's people around that have, uh, it's tough for them to go out and buy groceries, then you should go buy it for them. Um, If there's people in your neighborhood that have unique needs, you should try to do those things for them. And when we do it, um, doing it with the intentionality of still remembering that we're on mission every day. You know, Jesus has already been doing something in that person's heart already. So whenever we deliver the groceries from six feet away, um, <laughs> then we, we still want to have a conversation to some level and point them to the hope of Christ and that we are doing this because of Jesus, not just because we want to be good Americans or because we want to be generous people. We want to do those things, right? But uniquely because of christ Um, that would be the one of the ways i would say
1: yeah i think uh like for instance um you know we've we've still had situations where we have meal trains going on right uh within the church whether it's someone who just had a baby or baby just got home from the hospital or uh you know someone just had knee surgery um so the other day, uh, we had signed up for, to take a meal, and I got a call from a brother. And he was like, so are you still plan- planning on bringing us the meal in the midst of COVID? And, uh, you know, at the, this particular meal, we had planned on ordering pizza and getting it delivered. But even just the phone conversation, we got to talk, catch up. How's our jobs being affected by this? Um, how are families being affected by this? What kind of ministry opportunities we see that are going to come, like he, he brought up, uh, this is John Moore, by the way, brought up um, just the idea of how the economy is likely going to be at an all-time low when we come back to normal, right. and a lot of people are going to be out of jobs, and so the church has got to start to gear itself up for how can we take care of people in the right. midst of poverty. Right. So there, there's still things that are going on, and just being intentional with the conversations that we do have with people right. to make sure we're okay. Right? Someone,
0: someone wanted to bless our family yesterday from another country ordered pizza uh, from a local Domino's and had it delivered to us at our house. So, I mean, it's possible to, to practice hospitality even in other countries. We're, you know, amazed. Like, wow, that's amazing that you want to do that. But it's, it's definitely possible.
1: Yeah. I think these, uh, these weekly Zoom meetings where we have the entire church body is welcome to join Uh, We did one the other day. Mm -hmm. Worked out pretty successful. I'd say there was, what, Mm -hmm. 25 Mm -hmm. or so people on it. Another one tomorrow night. Another one tomorrow night, Monday um, at 7 p.m. So that was a time for people just to kind of share what's going on in their lives, and we literally prayed for them right then and there, had different church members praying for each other. Uh, So there's different things, right? We just have to be very intentional about thinking through how we can uh, practice um, love and care for one another. Uh, so I want to read a quote and let you kind of respond to it. Because this, this is another element to the same point of maybe different people are going to be equipped or able to do different things in the midst of COVID. Uh, Rosaria writes, uh, should we risk bringing people into our home who are stranded? Christians will arrive at different positions based on our circumstances. One family will make phone calls. Another will deliver groceries. Another will welcome the stranger to sleep on the couch. Each household may serve its neighbors in different ways, but each should intend to serve. So how how would you speak to that?
0: Yeah, I would. It's easy as a Christian to look at the people that are doing the most sacrificial things and feel like you're a bad Christian because you're not doing like you can look at the Christian that welcomes a stranger to sleep on the couch. And you're thinking, man, I'm not doing that. They're a good Christian I'm a bad Christian and I don't think that that should be something that comes into our mind. If God's sovereign and COVID-19 didn't take him by surprise and when he put it in here, we're all in unique life circumstances to where we have uh, a family that can bring in somebody or a family that can't bring in somebody based on what's going on in our house. um, Then we should realize that the Lord is a good dad that loves us and uh, wants us to serve, and he realizes that all of our different unique ways that we serve will look different, and that he's pleased that we're being the body, and so I think it's just important to not feel guilty, um, but, but think about how you can serve in your unique circumstance. You know, I have, I have a little two-year-old, special needs, highly immunocompromised during these kinds of things. Um, no one comes into our house right now uh, besides me, I'm the only one that goes out. And when I go out, I glove up and, <laughs> and everything in places and wipe down everything with huge lots of chloride wipes. Because I'm so scared I'd bring something home to Evangeline, you know. Um, and I can go buy groceries for people and things like that. But that's all I can do. We can't bring anybody in. But the Lord isn't upset at me or anybody else who has, you know, a pregnant wife. And we don't know what COVID-19 does to babies in utero. Uh, so... I think just to realize uh, that we are where we are and the Lord's sovereign and he's good and he loves us. And that as long as we're intending to serve uh, and we're seeking out as many opportunities as we can to do that, that's good.
1: Yeah, I think you just pray, pray to the Lord what he would have you do. Intend to do it in your heart and do it. Um, But don't, you know, there's no guilt uh, based off of differing ways in which you're going to sacrifice and serve.
0: Right. A posture of wanting to serve. Yeah. And then follow through. Um, so I want to ask you something, Chris. On the uh, second point here, she says this: practicing the Christian ethic of hospitality under coronavirus demonstrates our fear of God, uh, not of men. We are living corum deo, which is Latin for "before the face of God." So, what what are your thoughts on how Christian, how a Remedy Church member? can think through that, doing it for the glory of God.
1: Yeah, I mean, that fits right into our mission statement, right? Because all the community, mission, and care, it's for the glory of God. Everything we do, it's for the glory of God. Um, and what's, what's, I guess, it's not funny, it's not, it, what's weird about this, right, is we're specifically thinking now about this, but we always are living before the face of God. Mm-hmm. Whether there's something, you know, really tragic or um, trialing going through the culture or not, we're living before the face of God, but in light of COVID-19, I think it's allowed a lot of people to kind of see the fear of man or the fear of a sickness and death kind of uh, rise up, and uh, she's making the point that we need to live in light of the fear of God, so a couple of things that I would say to that. Uh, The first one really is, it goes back to the gospel. Um, we, We have a resurrection ethic, we are we are Christians who, as uh, um, Romans twelve says uh, that we read from the beginning, it says rejoice in hope. We literally have a hope that is undying. Um, Jesus died, and then on the third day, he raised from the de- from the dead, and he promises life and everlasting life to those who believe and repent in him. We have a resurrection ethic, meaning no matter how dire circumstances get, we know that. After death comes life, um, and we can believe that, and we trust that we bank our entire lives on it. Uh, later on in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 15, if the resurrection didn't exist, Paul looks at Christians, he says, they're the most to be pitied because they sat here and lived sacrificially their entire lives with no hope afterwards. But we have this hope. So I would say the first thing is uh, we need to live before the face of God knowing that ultimately we will die But because of the resurrection of Christ, we have that. Now we need to also apply that to how we interact with our neighbors. There are people that are around us that do not have that belief. And they are not in Christ. And they do not have hope after the grave. And so imagine COVID-19 through that lens, right? You won't have a resurrection. This could be it for you. Right. Uh, It's one of the best times
0: to do evangelism.
1: I think, yeah, it's one of the best times to do evangelism and showing that we rejoice in hope. It, like you said at the beginning, it just puts the church on a whole nother level during this time of suffering. So that's kind of the first thing um, I would say that. The second thing is, uh, you know, let me read a John Calvin quote. Um, Rosario says this, and th- this is helpful, I think, and this will help us react to. She says, uh, Calvin says, God expects a very different kind of practical wisdom from us Christians, namely that we should meditate on his judgments in a time of adversity and on his goodness in delivering us from danger. For surely it is not by mere chance that a person falls into the hands of the enemies or robbers, or we might say falls to the coronavirus. Uh, Neither is it by mere chance that a person is rescued from them, But what we must constantly keep in mind is that all afflictions are God's rod and therefore there is no remedy for them other than God's grace. And so I I think of this uh, quote and we should be viewing the COVID-19 as God's calling to everyone, especially us to turn into, to even just ingrain ourselves even deeper into his goodness and his faithfulness and his grace. Um, How how would you react? What do you you think about what Calvin wrote?
0: I just think it's interesting, the last little line, therefore there is no remedy for them other than God's grace. So we wouldn't think of it as a grace, um, a worldwide pandemic, but it could be, right? Uh, And the only answer is to push deeper into grace, um, to see the beauty in this terrible thing that's happening. Um, it's not my mere chance that a person falls into the hand of enemies or robbers, neither is by chance the person's rescued. So um, what's going on is not by chance. The Lord knows that it's going on, and the hope that we have to get through it and the hope that we have in it is is God. And so um, we should we should lean into the good news of Jesus during this time um, because it's I mean, it's truly all we have, you know. Um, that we shouldn't think that our self-reliance is the answer, ultimately, because it's, it's really not. Uh, instead, what we need is is the grace of God. We, even in the middle of this, we need the gospel. I thought it was quite interesting the way he put it.
1: Yeah. I think um, there's a C.S. Lewis quote uh, when he was writing on the atomic bomb, right? And so you think about that, a bomb that could literally be dropped and just— decimates an entire city of people Um, and he's writing about that like reacting the fear that would come from that you know Uh, and he writes this and this puts into perspective again kind of goes back into that resurrection ethic that we were just talking about and then what Calvin's talking about just leaning into God's grace knowing that even if you don't understand why COVID-19 you do understand that God is good and he's faithful and he continues to be good so so Lewis wrote this and then I'll, we'll turn to our third and final point here. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, well, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might... Land and cut your throat any night, or indeed, as you already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, don't let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors' anesthetics. But we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death uh, to a world which already bristled with such chances in which death itself was not a chance at all but a certainty. This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint, or in this case, over Zoom. And a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep, thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, a microbe can do that but they need not dominate our minds. So the point there, right, is our minds need to be dominated by the already grace that we have received in Jesus, that there's hope uh, beyond death. So let's turn to this third uh, point. She makes four points. We're only going to cover three uh, today. Uh, The third one she writes, uh, Practicing the Christian ethic of hospitality under COVID-19 means soaking yourselves in the means of grace. It means feasting on Scripture not CNN. So how how would you speak? I think this involves biblical community. It involves intentional care. It involves living on mission. But how how do you speak to that that phrase, right? Feasting on Scripture, not CNN. How should we do that as Remedy Church?
0: Right. Well, I was thinking um, most people are working from home right now. And so instead of driving an hour to your job or 30 minutes to your job, you walk 30 seconds from one room to the next. So everybody's got... 29 minutes and 30 extra seconds in the morning and probably another 45 minutes, um, 44 minutes and 30 seconds in the evening on the drive home. And so with that extra hour and 15 minutes instead of driving, I wonder what it would look like to be intentional with that hour and 15 minutes. Every day that you have extra right now for 10 weeks, um, feasting on scripture is what she prescribes. Uh, which can be a a lot of various means, but mainly um, soaking in the means of grace. So uh, this is a chance for us to establish new good habits, like really establish new good habits where, you know what? Before, I didn't have the time to memorize Romans 8, but now I have an extra hour and 15 minutes of just drive time, and maybe there's more during the day um, where I can... Memorize long portions of Scripture. Read more Bible. Um, interact with my family more where I haven't. And take advantage of those opportunities. Um, pray more often. Um, you were saying earlier we could incorporate uh, better family worship if you have you know a wife and kids. Um, but even if you're single, establishing new good habits. The habits you've always wanted the time to have to do You have it now. Um, And so, I think those are some of the means of grace that you can soak yourself in. And of course, um, God still has placed us in biblical community. So, an extra hour a day to be able to video chat people and check in on them and see how they're doing. Um, And also, I would say this. uh, I said this at the beginning of church service today. So, there is one means of grace that we're missing every week on Sunday morning, the, the ecclesia. We are... We are not able to gather corporately and feel the loving uh, means of grace of being together in the same room, under the same, uh, with the same people, week in, week out, and hearing the word of God preached together, taking the Lord's Supper uh, together, symbolizing our unity, hearing each other sing corporately together like it'll be in heaven. Um, And that is a means of grace that we're missing right now. And so we should even. Um, right now, let the longing of that be something that we think about, like, man, I'm missing out on this. And so that after this whole thing's over, whenever uh, people are back to their every other Sunday habits, <laughs> they remember back to Corona and they think, man, I really did miss church. I shouldn't miss it now because I knew what it's like to miss it. And so there's people at Remedy that aren't that way. They come every week, but there are some that are the every other Sundayers. Maybe it's accidental. Uh, But if there's anything that this should teach is that whenever this is over, that they shouldn't be every others. They should be every Sunday because this is a means of grace that we can't have right now because the government's saying, and that (laughs) it's a huge grace to be able to get together as a church. Those are some of the things that I would say. Establish the good habits that you've always wanted right now.
1: Yeah, so uh, when I think of that, um, one thing that we're doing at our house is we're We're moving, we're relocating our reading of Scripture. Uh, We read Scripture, the whole family together, just kind of read it out loud. Um, We used to do that kind of like at bedtime, up in the beds, but now we're moving it toward the end of dinner. Um, And part of the reason we're doing that is because we're more awake, we're more ready, we just ate food. Uh, But the other reason is so that when we invite people into our house, you know, Lord willing, when COVID 19's gone and you're able to have normal interactions with your neighbors, Uh, that they'll get to participate and kind of see the family worship, even in the midst of dinner. It might be weird and awkward, but they'll hear the word of God, they'll hear prayer, um, and they'll see that, and we'll be able to invite them in. So uh, I guess be thinking intentionally um, both about discipling your own family but also evangelizing your neighbor, putting things that are visible in your home culture um, to that. The second thing I would kind of say with that, is even with uh, if you're single uh, you you yourself have a household right it's just you right now, but you're still leading that household and so um, establishing habits now uh, is a great thing because either a you're going to you know continue and you just have those habits, or maybe one day uh, you end up in a family or you have some roommates or whatever, and then you already have the habits in place, and it's easier to kind of transition it to um, your roommates or your family. Uh, so I'd say those things. Are there any specific practices within the household that you can recommend? Maybe from your own practice or like someone wiser than us once told you or whatever it might be.
0: Right. Um, some of the things that I think that are important is just uh, if you have more time each day to be able to be in the Word that you should... You should use that time um, because of what we believe about the Bible, uh, and that it is the means of grace primarily that the Holy Spirit uses us to conform us more into the image of Christ that um, reading the Bible together as a family and reading the Bible on your own a lot more than normal um, would be something I would add and don 't binge as much as you sh- as most as it seems like everybody is saying on streaming, streaming services, but instead, um, binge on the Bible. I mean, that would be the, the main thing I would exhort us all to do is, and and maybe even take up memorizing. Uh, if, if that's something you your brain can handle right now, (laughs) um, take up memorizing. Um, let me, let me close us with this. I think we are at our time to try to close. So, um, in the beginning of the service, I read Romans chapter 1, 11, and 12, where Paul was writing to them. He'd never been there, but he's talking about how he longs to see them. And this is how I feel about uh, everybody together longing to see them. So I want to read this, and we'll close out with this. Um, this is a good thing for us to think about in Romans 1, 11, and 12. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith both yours and mine. We should long to be together again so that whenever we are together, we are being the body, practicing our spiritual gifts with one another and imparting spiritual gifts towards one another um, because this is the way that God has designed to be the church. Amen. Amen. That's it. And we will see you all next time. Have a good one.